Before we watch the movie, a quick word from our sponsors. And now, our feature presentation. Okay, listeners, so you may be wondering why we did Back to the Future Part 3, which is, I think, even if it's not a lot of people's favorite, Back to the Future is not considered a bad movie, really, by anybody, but mostly because of the moral of the film, which is that uh, nobody's future has been written yet. Your future is whatever you make it, so make it a good one, is a pretty good way to start out 2022, even if the last couple of years has kind of flown in the face of that. So... Here's to making it a good one. Happy New Year. And we're back. That is one of my favorite things, going to Universal Studios and just hearing the Back to the Future music. Oh, but does so it also good. trigger a, a pang of sadness that there is no accompanying Back to the Future ride. the ride anymore? Yeah. I never experienced the ride. I was like, oh yeah, because you, I was going to say, was that ride in uh, Orlando? It was in Orlando, but I believe- it didn't got go replaced there? with I I hadn't gone to Universal Studios Orlando until after they built Harry Potter World. Okay. And okay. I believe yeah. the Back to the Future ride was on the on the other park that Harry Potter World wasn't initially. Islands and then of now adventure. it's like in both parks. It, no, yeah, I Harry Potter World and like Islands of Adventure. Multiple and I think Back to the Future was in parks. the Universal Studios side. Got it. Got it. Yes, yes. And then yes. it's repla- got replaced with something else. E.T. also got replaced with something else. No, but I did write E.T. E. E. not in Florida anymore. No, wait, E.T. is still there. Yeah. I think. I yeah. can't remember. E.T.'s I have like ridden E.T., the- e. but I didn't ride Back to the Future. I've only ridden it on YouTube videos. That's not a thing, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> when I went to Universal Studios here in Los Angeles for the very first time, I was 22 or something mm-hmm. like that. Maybe some somewhere in there. And um, it was shortly before, I don't know how many years, but it was shortly before they retired the ride in Los Angeles. And I did ride it. And actually it's after- it's Transformers now, isn't it? No, it's- uh, No, the it's The Simpsons. Oh! Yeah. yeah, but the Simpsons yeah. is a good ride. Yeah, but it ain't I do no like back the yeah. I mean, uh, but it's basically the same thing. It's literally except yeah, it's yeah. instead of Simpsons, screen. it's just back to the future. Yeah, um, yeah, pretty much. But uh, I do wish that they would do a special skin. You know, just <laughs> do like yeah, yeah just like for a few months, do a bring back like what they do with hyperspace. Exactly. Like you could do that. I think it would be. But then un- they'd have to like reskin all of Springfield. They'd have to entirely close Springfield because when you go to the Simpsons right now, there's a huge crusty head that you walk through to get to the ride yeah. I mean, yeah well i mean i'm not saying they would do all that but just just the ride just just change the, the movie that plays yeah <laughs> everything else is the same change but the, the movie the paint the cars you know yeah you know. we did watch the entire ride including all of the cue footage and everything mm-hmm. is available on the blu-ray edition that i have oh. and so we watched and sarah had never got the chance to ride the ride so we actually did watch the entire thing after watching back to the future part three mm-hmm. which was pretty cool nice. is that a blu-ray exclusive i haven't checked to see if it's on the, uh, it's, the DVD anniversary edition I have. I don't believe it's on the DVD anniversary. It's because a lot of people like you, Amy, were looking at sort of crummy YouTube videos of the ride mm-hmm. and Universal realized, which is wonderful, hey, people actually really have an interest in this. And so they did as nice a job. Well, they could have maybe done a better job, but they did a very nice job of putting together the best sources for the entire ride and presenting it on the Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. And it's on my Blu-ray edition and then I think all Back to the Future 
releases going forward from that point, mm -hmm. but I don't believe it's on the DVD. It might be on the DVD, but I'm not sure about that. I'll have to check. But anyways, this kind of goes back to the argument that you guys were having about two and three kind of going into each other because starting this movie out, for some reason, because I watch these on Paramount usually or I watch them all three together, mm -hmm. this, the ending of two and the beginning of three always kind of warp together for me. And yeah. for some reason, I thought that the beginning of three was part of two or part of two was the beginning, the end of two was the beginning of three. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, they flow yeah. nicely into each other. So it was very weird to watch this on its own. I would say neither two or three are standalone movies because yeah. you need to see two to get three and you need to see three to find out what happens at the end of two. When I say standalone, I don't mean that one can simply sit down and come out from the cave they were living in, watch Back to the Future <laughs> 3 and be happy about that experience. I, I don't mean that, but rather just that um, like character-wise, story-wise, mm -hmm. 3 is a self-contained movie with all of the bits that a story should have and 2 sets up all of that, mm -hmm. but 3 actually has it all. Yeah. I mean specifically not only Doc's arc from being a wild-eyed scientist to being a family man, but also Marty's mm -hmm. temper and him growing as a person as a result of that because that temper got him into trouble a lot. Yeah. And again, these movies, they follow the same, they have this wonderful, only the best trilogies have this, where in the first film, we love Marty and his temper is great because it gets him into and out of trouble. And then in the second film, you see that temper getting him locked in a trunk and he gets the almanac taken away from him and he gets beaten up. Nothing works out for Marty in mm -hmm. the second film. And then in the third film, you see that temper's still there, but then he learns to get past it. Mm -hmm. And that's wonderful. And the second one only sets that up. The third one is that complete story for Marty. Yeah. But it's not a complete story. It ends the story, but it doesn't come, it, it come you know, it, it But he know. still has his temper issues in the beginning of number three, mm -hmm. and in the first and second act. But I feel, so you're right, but the end, when he doesn't, when he, you know, when he learns, right? But, pays off the whole Rolls Royce thing in the second one. Yeah, mm -hmm. from the second one, because you find out that he injured himself in that accident, and he couldn't play music, and he had us get this crummy job, and then he, you know, all that hijinks. Yeah. Yeah, so like yeah. I'm saying, it's just all, you can't, you need, you need both of them. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, I'm not against two, but two, I think three is the more complete film because it has all of that. Two only is the I mean, is it, setup. It does film. have it's the a, ending. It's a, it's a yeah. prologue for three. Okay. I mean, yeah. there's great Easter eggs. There's the bit when he confronts Biff in the hot tub with the two women and they're watching the scene from Fistful of Dollars. Mm -hmm. Then Marty recreates in the third one. There is so much Clint Eastwood in this. I never even realized there's, until watching it this time. I love the running gag of him being Clint Eastwood <laughs> when they say, if you don't go out there, then it, Clint Eastwood Everyone's will be known as the yellowest, you know. Yeah. And then the bridge gets named Eastwood Bridge or something Eastwood like Ravine that. Eastwood Ravine instead of Clayton Ravine. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things that uh, there's all these wonderful Easter eggs throughout the entire trilogy. Mm -hmm. In the first film, when they go to Twin Pines Mall yeah. for the first attempt, and then mm -hmm. he drives through one of Old Man Peabody's trees, and you see later when he comes back, it's Lone Pine Mall. Mm -hmm. And in this one, it's changed from Clayton Ravine to Eastwood Ravine. In the first movie, Dattler Toyota is your place for cars. And you see in the Old West, it's Dattler Horses or something like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I didn't catch that before. That's yeah, that great. was one of the fun facts. Yeah, I saw. and I think yeah. it's the same company that's doing the manure hauling in the Old West as mm -hmm. it is. Yeah, in... the first initial, I think in like three, a. it was like B. And then in one, it was C or something like that. It was a different initial, but the last name was the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even Strickland being the principal and the marshal. And, he, and he's, and he's yeah. teaching his son to see that. Always be vigilant. Never give them any slack. <laughs> yeah. It's just there's so much that is so perfect about these movies. 
movies that clearly so much loving detail was thought about. Mm -hmm. And they really, they had the Bobs, Gale and Zemeckis, had fun with the the premise of time mm-hmm. travel and they did all of the things that you want out of time travel they the alternate and it's future. time travel that makes sense too well there's a lot of time travel movies I that mean, don't always kinda, um, make like that they, they play around with it time travel anytime you start yanking on the threads there's bits that don't make sense like for instance when the doc saves marty from buford tannen and he says marty who dressed you in these things and he says you did doc wouldn't mm-hmm. doc from 1985 remember in his own personal history 1955 that he addressed Marty in those clothes. Hmm. So it does. This your is, brain breaks. Yeah. Just, uh, this is see, and I think it actually what it does is it tells us something interesting about how time travel works in these films, which is that, multiverse. Yes, essentially that there are variants, that there are slightly different futures and pasts that they're going to because mm-hmm. these tracks are isolated. That people are like that. The doc was should have always been aware of everything that was going to happen mm-hmm. in 1955, but he wasn't. The 1985 doc was not aware of any of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it hurts my brain. It, I, I I try not. This movie does time travel, and it's one of the first movies that I ever saw that probably had to do with time travel. Mm-hmm. So there's that joke in Avengers Endgame where he's like, "Have you <laughs> yeah. seen Back to the Future?" This one, it's like all time travel, mm-hmm. mo- hot tub time machine, time after time, Star <laughs> Trek, <laughs> and, and they're like, "No, that's not how it goes. It's not how it would work, or whatever." It's like, man, Back to the Future was bullshit. They fucking lied to us. <laughs> yeah. I try not to think about the time travel, the logistics of the time travel aspects, because my brain will break. Yeah. But it's fun, and yeah. they tie up the pieces well enough, and it is internally consistent. Yeah, exactly. It, it's consistent to its own logic. Yeah. Sort. Mm-hmm. But you're having so much fun that you don't really, I don't know, you don't really think about, at least I don't think about the logistics behind it all. Right. And right. it just ends up being, you said, Joe, earlier, this is one of those movies, or it's a series of movies, where so much attention and care and detail was placed into mm-hmm. them that usually was unexpected for the time, especially for three films. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm also wondering, is this one of the first instances, but it's probably not, but of them shooting sequels simultaneously? That's a really good question. I can't say that I know of any... Oh, no, no, it's not. I can answer this immediately. Back to our old friend Dick Donner, who was shooting Superman and Superman 2 back-to-back. Mm. Mm, oh, that's right, because isn't that why they had so much footage for the Donner cut? Uh-huh. It's because he was shooting both of them at the same time. Yep, and then he had to stop shooting Superman 2 to finish up Superman the movie, um, and then did not come back for all the reasons that we talked about. Oh, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I know it wasn't the first, but it was not common. I mean, it's still not common. Uh, Lord of the Rings did it. Yeah. Lord of the Rings, and then... Um, Deathly Hallows parts one and two. Yes, right. Mm. Which which mm. makes sense. But uh, those are technically, I think, a single movie anyways. Yeah, they just chopped They just split it in half. Yeah. And then The Hobbit too, but we don't talk about The Hobbit. And also <laughs> probably the last two Twilight films, which they Harry Pottered by slicing up the one book into two films, yeah. which I think they probably mm. filmed back to back as well. And they did the same thing with the last Hunger Games movie as well. Oh, did they? Yeah, the last Hunger Ooh. Games movie is split into two. Oh, right. Yes, 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 that's right. But they 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 Harry Pottered that as well. Yeah. In all of those other cases, Harry Potter was the only one that did it properly and had reason to do it in two Oh, films. for sure. <laughs> but like... Yeah. Twilight is not a great series anyways. Hunger Games is not good after the first one. Yeah, I mean, and the books do the same thing as the movie. So at least in that way, it's consistent. Yeah. They're they're faithful to the source material. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But you're right, Johnny. It's an example of something that is not done very commonly and certainly Mm -hmm. not that. I feel like that's the, the movie itself. I mean, 
all three of those movies are kind of they feel timeless yeah. because they existed in a point I, I feel like they they're very much 80s mm-hmm. and then the last one's the 90s or whatever or the early 90s but they feel like they shouldn't exist at the time that they were made sort of deal yes mm-hmm. they should have been existing in the timeline of the second movie in like 2015 yeah it was, it, when when things were thought of as more as like a uh, broader properties instead of single mm-hmm. films so right. the fact that they were thinking that way which you said it happened by accident which is crazy I didn't yeah. know that I, for some reason I thought they were just all planned out well I mean they weren't technically going to do two and three like Joe had said yeah. they were just going to do the first one and there was such great feedback from the first one that they're like okay I guess we'll do two more but they still had the stinger right they had the stinger of the flying car in they, the first they one they did but they thought yeah. that was kind of a joke it was just how do we end this movie let's have the DeLorean fly yeah. away and then they added the to be concluded yes I, I remember and that. then and then finally a really wonderful the end with the flair of Alan Silvestri's wonderful mm-hmm. score it's funny that you should say both that they are from the 80s and timeless because I think part of the reason why these films feel timeless despite being firmly couched in the 80s is because the 80s 1985 specifically is a character in the mm-hmm. movie it is so firmly it's not like in Ghostbusters for example it takes place in 1984 I don't think they ever mentioned 1984 we just know it's 1984 and as such it's a movie that is like any other movie that has to take place at a certain time but Back yeah. to the Future makes well, a story takes... point out of it it yeah. has to well, be th- the 80s mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the date mm-hmm. is important October what 27th 1985 is important mm-hmm. just like November 5th I think 1955 is important just like 1885 is important and these mm-hmm. dates they're so concrete that the movie can get around being 80s because it happens mm-hmm. in the 80s yeah. firmly mm-hmm. so it needs to be identified visually as the 80s mm-hmm. everything else about it like Alan Silvestri score which is brilliant. I remember reading something where Silvestri basically went to Zemeckis and said hey what kind of score do you want? Do you want modern synthy kind of score or do you want an old film orchestral score? Mm-hmm. And Zemeckis bless his heart once again it's like orchestral Alan and that elevates the movie mm-hmm. out of the 80s for everything that is not visual. Mm-hmm. Yeah that's true I guess I never really thought about that that the score would be something more or could have been something more contemporary at that time mm-hmm. than the more traditional or I guess more classic composition. Because the music is another big part, like you Mm -hmm. said, it it does elevate it to another level because Mm -hmm. it is so wonderful and iconic. Yeah, Yeah. I would say arguably it's as iconic as John Williams' Indiana Jones theme. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do have a couple questions. One, why and how is there a bear in the middle of the desert? Ah, so that has always bothered me. Sarah, like, ever since mm-hmm. I was a little kid, I'm like, why is there a bear in the middle of this Arizona desert? Even though I'm pretty sure it was filmed in Utah. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, because that's Monument Valley, which is mm-hmm. yeah. John I do Ford have a fun fact famous. about that, which I'll get to. In a Sarah second. asked the same thing. She was like, why is there a bear in the desert? And I think the thing is, even though it's clearly Monument Valley, when you see Marty's been walking for a little bit and he gets to the McFly farm and you see that there's more trees, there's more bushes, it's scrubby, but it's there. And mm-hmm. I that's the terrain when it becomes reasonable that a bear has wandered that way and that it can't be that far away from a place that is more natural to find a bear. That's my personal read on it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, that checks out. (laughs) The other question is, and this is explained by the fun fact I will follow this up with, is Till Valley, where is it supposed to be located? Because the drive-in is very clearly, like you said, Joe, in Monument Valley. And while I was going through the fun facts, this is the one that I found. During the scene where they are prepping the DeLorean at the drive-in, Marty says, you know, Doc, it's going to be a hell of a long walk back 
to Hill Valley, and mm -hmm. he's not kidding. From Monument Valley, Utah, where they constructed the drive-in set, to the zip code of the fictional Hill Valley, which is California 95420, which is actually in Casper, California, the shorter of the two major routes driving is 1,092 miles along the Interstate 40. If Doc actually did the walk, the most direct route would be 1,002 miles or 334 hours, which walking eight hours a day would take approximately 42 days. And he did it with all without a hat. Yeah. <laughs> Another great rhythm that this trilogy set up was the Marty waking up and being tended to an ancestor. And there's, mm -hmm. and there's even a great... Usually his mom. <laughs> usually his mom, or in this case, great-great-grandmother? Great-great-great. Because oh, I think he holds his great great-grandfather no uh, his great-grandfather just just one great just one great william the baby is his great-grandfather seamus is seamus is his great great and great, maggie yeah. mcfly would be his great great grandmother mm -hmm. but there's a great there's huh, there's a great bit where she leaves the room he sits up and before he leaves the bed he stops and he lifts up the blanket to make sure that his pants are there which yeah. is just a nice little nod to the first one <laughs> yeah. but uh that's that again that rhythm of yeah. you know you're back yeah. in good old 1955 1955 mm -hmm. with uh i mean because yeah he does that but uh, it's the same bit with like the clothes, right? Yeah. He's always mm -hmm. in the people are always like, "What's <laughs> that getup? Like, what, what are you wearing?" <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like the life preserver. Dork thinks he's gonna drown. Yeah, <laughs> that is exactly. I didn't, no, I didn't catch that exactly until right. actually just now. Yeah, if, once again, it's they tell the same joke at least three times mm -hmm. in these mm -hmm. movies, and it's yeah. funny every time. You think it's not gonna work, and then it does, and you're like, "Well." Yeah, it's yeah. a fun movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Somehow I think we're talking about the trilogy as well as the third one because it's really hard not to. I mean, oh, no, yeah. you can't. You really can't. And I wasn't assuming we would be talking about just the third one. So if I can, I'll drop back to the third one a little bit. In talking to a lot of people about Back to the Future, I do find, and I don't know if you guys find this, that the third one is often the least liked by most people. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. it's because it's a Western and people can't get past the Western thing. Even Johnny, you said mm -hmm. that Westerns weren't really your thing when you were younger. Maybe They're not my thing aren't. either. Yeah. yeah. And it still has all the trappings of a Back to the Future movie. It's just with Western theme essentially dressing yeah it's, yeah. Like, it's yeah. like it's like western decorations or, yeah or, uh, yeah like a theme you said because because right watching it again i'm like this isn't it's, it doesn't it's not really a it's it's a back to the future movie it just happens to take place in the old west yeah. it's not a, really a western mm -hmm. and i did find myself changing my perspective on it then that i just i like it more than i thought i did to me it was always the weakest one but now i'm like two is still technically my favorite just mm -hmm. because of the future scene that, yeah mm -hmm. it's just it's great to me i love it but i mean they're all kind of on the same level of good i suppose yeah. Yeah. i can't really yeah. be like oh the third one is worse than the first one because i don't it's, think it is i think they're all pretty mm -hmm. fucking solid it's exceptionally consistent it's a trilogy that you can sit down and watch all the way through and be happy about how you spent your day yeah, yeah. but yeah i think a lot of people don't like it because it's a western and they discount it without really paying attention to the movie mm -hmm. because it's it doesn't operate like a western and i like westerns not all of them mm -hmm. some of them are quite bad some of them are very very boring yeah. some of them are just mean movies and this isn't any of those things yeah. it's just dusty and everybody's wearing a hat basically yeah, <laughs> yeah. pretty much but I, I i love this movie and i i love mary steenburgen in it she's wonderful mm -hmm. and the romance that they give the doc is really really sweet and yeah. there's that bit where marty's trying to convince him to not stay and he says stop thinking with your heart doc think with your brain and that scene i never really thought about it before but you can see marty basically break doc's heart right there yeah and when he realizes which i thought was mm -hmm. it was kind of interesting because when marty first shows doc the picture of the tombstone and it says his beloved clara yeah. and doc's like i don't know anybody by that name and he's talking about how he really doesn't 
doesn't believe in love at first sight and Marty was very adamant about it happened. It happened with him and Jennifer and mm -hmm. Marty was a really big proponent of that and then once Doc does meet Clara, Marty's yeah. whole outlook on that changes and yeah. he's like, Doc, no, you gotta come with me. Yeah, he's arguing you against the love here. at first sight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I think I think that goes to another theme in this in these movies, Marty's real love for Doc and Doc's love for Marty because everything, almost everything that Marty does, he's trying to save Doc. Mm -hmm. He's desperate to save him in the first one from getting, getting shot up by the Libyans and then the second one, well, I mean, the second one, he's he's trying to save everybody, essentially. His father, Doc. Mm -hmm. His family. His, yeah. his entire family. And save everybody from Biff. Mm -hmm. And then in this one, to save Doc again from being shot. I mean, it's the perfect uh, yeah. bookend. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, throughout the entire series, you really only see he has basically two friends. Doc slash Doc and Einstein and then Jennifer. That's true, yeah. So, like, that's the only relationships outside of familial relationships that Marty really has. I mean, he's so got his makes... band, but we never really even, they're not even named. You see them in that one in the audition scene and that's it. Yeah. And yeah. he's got a lot yeah. of enemies. He's though. got needles. Yeah, he's, yeah, got... he's got needles. <laughs> there's needles. There's Biff. There's Strickland. Like, he's got a lot of enemies. Yeah. yeah. That is interesting. I don't think I ever really thought about that. I never that. thought You're about right. that he doesn't either. Have, he doesn't have any friends. Well, I guess he hangs out with an old man all day, so I guess it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I just always wondered about how they met. <laughs> I feel yeah. like there was... Joe, you had told me... Because I had asked you that question. So it's like, mm -hmm. Joe probably knows this. He knows yeah. all about Back to the Future. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I even asked Ward. I was like, how do Doc and Marty meet? How are they friends? And I think... Either you or Ward had said something about there being a comic book series or something? There was a cartoon series. There might have been a comic. I want to say that I read, either this is a fan theory I read, a theory I came up with, mm -hmm. or something that I read Zemeckis or Gale say. So essentially any possibility mm -hmm. um, was that Doc was part of, uh, Marty was part of a work study program through the school. In some way he uh, worked with the Doc for school credit or, or something. Mm -hmm. And that's how they became friends mm -hmm. as somebody who is not going to have children there's a little part of me that assumes that i'll be just some crazy old man and i'll make friends with the kid and that will be my legacy i mean mm. you do I mean, have... it's already your legacy, so, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, Wes basically is a smaller, less shaggy version of Einstein. <laughs> yeah, but I also have Oso, who also kind of looks like Einstein. Yeah, like, if you smash the two of them together and you got a new dog out of it, <laughs> you would get Einstein. That's, you're not wrong. I see a lot of myself in the doc. Yeah. Makes sense. Checks out. <laughs> Checks out. You're going to be Tiki Maynard and the doc one day in your future. Somehow. I got some fun facts and some castings yeah let's go for it so the 1885 time setting was partly due to a suggestion by michael j fox who had commented to the producers how he had always thought it would be fun to act in a western mm. who michael fox. j fox wanted to be in oh. a western i know mm. that the stunt performers really had a great time western stunts are really fun there's all the horse mm -hmm. stuff and the gunplay and everything else train stuff i mean mm -hmm. you go classic transfer of horse to person or person to carriage or whatever it's, it's a lot of fun to do apparently as a stunt person Speaking of the stunt performers, Tom Wilson, who plays Mad Dog, mm -hmm. he plays all the Biffs, mm -hmm. all the Tannins, yep. um, performed all of his horse riding stunts himself. He also did the trick where he lassoes Marty. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. I always wondered about Tom Wilson because he's so good and he really didn't do very much high profile anything after Back to the Future. He's so good in these movies. He, he does really some good. stuff. I think he was in a couple TV shows. He was on Freaks and Geeks. I don't Geeks. remember off the top of my head. I know he was the, the PE teacher on Freaks and Geeks, but still, oh, yeah. like, he is on nothing yeah. as high profile as this, as a villain or yeah, as a hero and and he's like a good-looking guy and he's really talented i mean he he becomes all of these different tannins that he yeah. plays and yeah i mm -hmm. will say this is probably my favorite of his 
cannons, mm. especially that scene where they're scheduling when a shootout's going to be. That was the so back good. and forth between the two of them. And then he goes back to his cronies. What are we doing Monday? And they're like, yeah. oh no, Monday's free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that whole bit was, I was dying. I do my killing before breakfast. <laughs> it's like, I do my killing after breakfast. So. <laughs> uh, Tom Wilson was a bunch of different voices on SpongeBob. Oh, that makes sense. As somebody he, he voices a SpongeBob characters, including Patrick's dad. Nice. Also, when Mad Dog tries to lynch Marty, Michael J. Fox was ac- accidentally hanged, rendering him unconscious for a short time. Oh, shit. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. The photographer at the festival, Joe, you may have noticed this, is actually Dean Cundy. Oh, no way. I did not know that. <laughs> That's crazy. Mm-hmm. The role of Clara Clayton was specifically written for Mary Steenburgen. Oh. She is wonderful. She's great. I mean, she she is great in everything. She's good. I mean, she's great in everything. I love Mary Steenburgen. The bandana that Doc Brown wears is made from the shirt he wore in Back to the Future Part 2. And it's got the trains on it. Mm-hmm. Two more fun facts. Uh, the three old timers in the saloon were played by Deb Taylor, Pat Buttram, and Harry Carey Jr., who played sidekicks, town drunks, and colorful townsfolks in mm-hmm. hundreds of westerns and television shows. Harry Carey Jr. was, I just showed Sarah the movie Tombstone, and Harry Carey Jr.'s in that as well, as uh, the town marshal. Is he the one that's got the funny voice? The old western voice? He's the, no, he's the one he's... on camera right, I believe? Yeah, sort of okay. like yeah. a okay, okay. heavy fella yeah that's He's not the, the that one guy. that talks that, like that's, this that's fantastic yeah I love that guy I that mean, guy's got classic such a classic voice. voice doesn't anybody walk or run anymore <laughs> For fun. fun. (laughs) So my final fun fact, I have one more fun fact and then two recastings. But my favorite fun fact is Clint Eastwood was asked for permission about his name being used for Marty in the film. He consented and was said to be tickled by the homage. When Doc and Marty are at the drive-in preparing the DeLorean for the trip to 1885, Marty mentions Clint Eastwood and Doc replies, Clint who? In the shot, there is a movie poster in the drive-in wall showcasing Revenge of the Creature in Tarantula, containing some of the first film appearances of a young, then unknown Eastwood. Marty even looks to and briefly points to the poster and says, that's right, you haven't heard of him yet. Which is a callback to, yeah. I think it's in part one where they talk about Ronald Reagan. The actor? Oh, yeah, Ronald, because he says, who, yeah. he goes, all right, future boy, who's yeah. president in 1985? Okay, recastings. So Mayor Hubert, actor and former president Ronald Reagan, was originally approached to play the part of Mayor Hubert because of his fondness for the first film in the trilogy. He reluctantly turned down the role and the part went to Hugh Gillen instead. Had Reagan appeared, it would have marked his first appearance in a film in nearly 30 years. Good. Good thing he didn't put his stink on this movie. <laughs> I'm I'm yeah. with you. I'm with you on that one. I was thinking about that. Like, how much do I wish that was a thing yeah, versus no. how glad am I that it's not? It would have been, I feel like, just picturing Ronald Reagan as a person and then in that role, it would have been weird. I don't think it would have fit very well. Mm-hmm. It would have been a great callback, mm-hmm. again, to that Ronald Reagan bit from the first movie. But it yeah. would have been so weird yeah. to see a formal president in this movie. I think it would have sort of monstered a scene that is otherwise meant to be about giving us, strictly just giving us information about yeah. Clara Clayton arriving. It's, it mm. kind of would have called unwanted attention, yeah. I think. And then my final fun fact, Seamus McFly was originally written for Crispin Glover. Because uh, uh, I think it would have been kind of a good, because it was supposed to be Crispin Glover in the upside down thing in yeah, part in the two. second one. Right. He got himself written out of the movie, essentially, which only made Back to the Future Part 2 <laughs> better. Yeah. It would have been a good parallel for all because because they had to kill him and then that changed the whole thing. But yeah, makes sense why it wasn't him. I liked Michael J. Fox playing Seamus too. It's fun because then it then it pays into him playing both his yeah. son and his daughter in the second one. But there we go, you guys. I don't even think I need to ask this, but does it hold up? Sure does. Oh. 
<laughs> better than yeah, most it alibis. Is so good. Great ending to a perfect trilogy. It really is a perfect. Yeah. It really is. And I'm glad that they didn't make more. Nobody, they're not, they can't now, but you know, they, they never really tried to do more than that. They told all of, they milked mm-hmm. that premise for yeah. everything that it had and i think they did it in a really wonderful way well listener are you one of the the very few people i don't know if there is anybody who does not like any of the back to the future movies or the third one if you don't like it let us know because we would yeah. love to where know. do you where does it rank on your list of best back to the future movies everyone's <laughs> got one yeah yeah or are you perhaps not giving it the time of day simply because you're a westernist and you hate westerns regardless of how good yes. the content may be let us know on twitter or instagram at nostalgitis n-o-s-t-a-l-g-i-t-i-s or nostalgia pod at gmail.com don't forget to be kind and rewind 